Hello, 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 my lovely parent friends. This is Dr. Nikki Naradin again, and you are here with me at Shut Up and Act Dumb podcast. Well, here we are, episode three. I can't believe I've done this three times so far. It, it's kind of a thing. It's a thing. Anything done more than once is a thing. Twice, definitely a thing. Three times, that's almost a habit. I think that you guys should get up and do anything more than once. Any big, impossible dream and goal, just keep doing it. And then all of a sudden you're at number three. It's kind of like me and my son's podcast. So my son has a podcast called The Reluctant Vegan Son. And if you want to listen to a mom and her son talk, he is a senior in college right now. He's about to graduate. He reluctantly turned vegan when he was forced to come home during spring break. He was on Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, and he came home with COVID. He was so incredibly sick. Now, we became vegan about three and a half years ago when my 16-year-old daughter, she was 16 at the time, she is presently 19, came home and said, Mom, I'm not killing any more animals. I'm not killing the environment. I'm going vegan. Watch this documentary. And the documentary happened to be What the Health. And I watched it, and I figured she was right. Everything they said was absolutely true. I'm a doctor. I want my patients to be healthy. I care about not exploiting any humans, animals, the earth. It made sense to do it, but I didn't want to do it. I liked meat. We all liked meat. We all grew up eating meat. I was kicking and screaming, but I decided that I was actually going to go vegan because my daughter's a dancer. And I knew that if she went vegan and the family didn't go vegan with her, she would probably end up eating potato chips and french fries, which I don't think would be a very good diet for a growing dancer. So we became vegan. My husband, Ted, was kicking and screaming a lot more than I was. And Adam wasn't home. He was actually in college. So he came back during his junior year. Uh, during the COVID pandemic to hang out with us very, very sick. And he walked into a vegan household and we are pretty much whole food as well. We're not a big junk food vegan household. And he just ate what we were eating. And he said he felt so much better. He lost about 15, 20 pounds almost immediately. And he felt really good. So he reluctantly became vegan and then started not being so reluctant anymore, but really liked the name of the podcast so he is the reluctant vegan son, and I am his not-so-reluctant vegan mother. So we have this wonderful podcast where you can watch a young adult son talking with his mom about everything. Drugs, sex, politics. It's really a fun thing to watch. Anyway, I digress. We are here three times. Well, the reason why I told you that story about my son is that he's on episode 47. I don't think he's ever done anything 47 times. And every time we talk about the next episode that he's on, I'm always amazed, excited, giggling, in a little bit of shock. So here I am at episode three, and we keep moving forward. And remember Newton's law, an object in motion stays in motion, an object at rest stays at rest. So if you do something, anything at all, you are already 99% there. So if you plan to run a marathon, getting off the couch to the first mile is much, much, much harder 
than going from the first mile to the end of the marathon. So remember that with everything you do. I'm going to talk to you about something that I think is going to absolutely blow your mind. It's the idea that a circumstance is neutral. So you could take any circumstance in the world and you can actually decide it's neutral. And the reason why I know that is because there are so many circumstances that happen and other people have different thoughts about them. So it's actually not the circumstance itself. It's the thought that you attribute to that particular circumstance, the thought that you think, the thought that you have somehow had installed previously with whatever your upbringing is. So I'm going to give you an example related to your children. The circumstance is your son came home two hours after curfew. Let's say the curfew was 10 o'clock and he came home at 12 o'clock. So your thought might be, and there are so many different thoughts you can have, oh my God, what happened to you? It must not have been good. That could be one thought. Another thought could be, well, maybe when he was out and he hadn't been home yet, I hope he's not dead and lying in the middle of the road. The other thought might be, oh, I'm glad he's having a good time. The other thought might be, I hope he calls me. There are tons of different thoughts related to that particular situation. Now, the interesting part is how we come up with that curfew initially anyway. Why did we decide that 10 o'clock is the curfew or 12 o'clock is the curfew or 2 o'clock is the curfew or to not let your child out at all? And I think part of that is that we've decided what can happen at night after a certain time. Will worse things happen after midnight? I remember people talking about that nothing good happens after midnight. So there is only one place to go, and that's down, that's bad, that's drunk, that's dead, wherever your mind goes. It is never the circumstance that creates the situation. It is always the thought that you attribute to that circumstance. And the powerful, wonderful thing about that is that you get to decide what you think. So the circumstance doesn't change. And wanting a circumstance to change is like fighting with air. You can't win. There is no winning against a circumstance that you can't actually change. But what you can do is you can decide what you're going to think about it and then what your feelings are and what your actions are and eventually your results. So if you can decide to think a slightly different thought, it doesn't even have to be a unicorn and daisy positive thought. Oh my God, he's probably out there changing the world. Oh my God, it's midnight. I'm sure he's running for president now. I don't know what the thought would be, but it doesn't have to be that thought. It could be a thought that's a little bit or a step up from the horrible, catastrophizing thought that you might have been thinking a moment ago. Now, that new thought is just as real in terms of possibility as the negative thought is. But the new thought might actually help open up a conversation for you and your young person about what's appropriate in terms of a curfew, why they felt like they needed to stay out or not. Did they think that curfew was fair or not? And then you get to decide yourself 
why you made that curfew or that boundary. Was that something that you really thought about? Or was that something that you just how felt needed to happen? A lot of times we're making decisions based on whatever our thinking is and however it makes us feel. And we're trying to do things so that we don't feel bad. We're doing everything to control the environment so that we don't feel bad. We get to decide how we're going to feel and what we're going to think. And once you know that you can manage your minds and your thinking, then you have all the power. If you're trying to manipulate the world around you to help you think better or help you not feel bad at all, you will only lose because you'll be fighting with the reality of what other people's thinking is. And as you know, you can't control other people's thoughts. You don't know exactly what they're thinking. And actually, you don't want them to be controlled. You want them to be the individuals that they are. You want to celebrate in the differences that everybody brings to this party that we call life. So remember that the circumstances inherently are neutral. Now you're going to fight with me about this. It's going to be a never ending battle about you believing that your child is bad, that your child has done something wrong, that he is heading for a catastrophe. He's heading for an awful life where he'll end up in the gutter and unable to take care of himself. And you're going to believe every moment of that. And you're going to try to convince me of that, that you know that this is true but I want you to take stock in what the actual circumstance is. Remember that a circumstance is something irrefutable, something that everybody would agree upon, something that you can bring into a court of law and the judge would say, yes, that is true. I concur. Only then, and sometimes I'm not even sure about then, can you call that a circumstance? And then every circumstance is neutral until you decide to think something about it. And once you know this, this absolutely blows my mind because I know that I can think a different thought. And I know that I can decide if the thought I'm thinking creates whatever feeling I need to go into action and have the result and the life that I want. And once I know that I'm powerful, I can do anything. I can manage my own mind. And nobody else has to actually do anything to make things okay for me. That is mind-blowing. That will get you to the promised land quicker than anything I know. And I want you guys to get to that place, that place where you have full control over what's going on in your mind, that your mind is flexible, and that you think what you choose to intentionally think, even if other thoughts come in there and take over. All right, I leave you with that, my lovely parent friends. So if you're interested in working with me, you can go to drnickinaridan.com and you can join my program that will actually give you in six weeks, 
it doesn't take long the kind of close connected relationship that you always wanted with your young people, probably with all the people around you and your husband or wife or partner or anybody for that matter. So I want you to come to this wonderful place of peace and calm and know that your house can be a place where you don't have to walk on eggshells at every moment. Okay, I love you all and I'll speak to you next week. Bye.